Thank you. What a wonderful worship time we're having this morning. And thank you for that introduction, Brandon. Um, if I've done the math right, Susan, Lily, and Gina and I were studying at Golden Gate Seminary when you were but a mere sparkle in your father's eye long <laughs> before. Not that you made us feel old or anything, but we are glad to be here this morning. Uh, I hope that we'll get some pictures up on the screen with the PowerPoint. Um, and uh, Gina and I are your missionaries uh, right now in Italy. And there you have a picture of the Colosseum where some of the first Christians in Paul's time were martyred uh, for their faith. And then right in front of it, you see a smart car. And that's the life we live in Rome, the ancient and the modern. Uh, and in the next picture, you see a picture of our family. Uh, this was taken just a few weeks ago in Harrogate at LMU, where our son graduated with his PA degree. He did one of his rotations right here in Johnson City, based out of Chattanooga. And uh, his sister is next to him, his wife's on the other side, and Gina and I in the middle. I want to tell just quickly a background. Um, Gina and I uh, were journeyman missionaries right out of college for two years in Africa. We met there and then went and studied at Golden Gate Seminary. And in 1994, we were called and went to Bangladesh and served there for about 16 years. In the next pictures, you'll see it's a very poor country. Uh, this picture is on the front of Gina's devotional book, which some of you have read. Uh, the mode of transportation, the lifestyle, the monsoon rains and the floods and the cyclones were something we dealt with many years. And the International Mission Board and your gifts to the Co-opter program and Lottie Moon Christmas offering allowed us to live there and be there and also minister the love of Christ in Jesus' name. Um, in the next slide, I think uh, you see how our kids grew up there. After we moved there, our son Sam was born and uh, our daughter born in Frankfort, Kentucky on our first furlough. And we returned to Chittagong, Bangladesh and took our kids to the zoo. It, it was a small zoo. It took about 15 minutes to get through. And there was one exhibit of domestic dogs. It wasn't uh, like a zoo in America. But when our kids went there, they were the main attraction, and these two Buddhist monks uh, were captivated by them, and instead of looking at the animals, they usually looked at our kids. But we had a great life there, and our kids had a great childhood. Uh, we worked there for 16 years with Hindus and uh, Buddhist background people, led many people to faith, and saw churches planted. And so after 16 years, we handed that work over to the nationals, and then uh, moved to Malaysia. And we were there for six years. Our kids did high school there. And we began to work with Muslims from Bangladesh. There are many Bengalis all around the world. But uh, Malaysia was a place where they went and they were construction workers. And you can see in the next picture, we had them into our home and uh, ministered to them. And through an international church, the Penang International Church, we started a ministry to these construction workers and Rohingya refugees who came. And after six years, that church stepped up and 
we handed it over to them. And the next picture, you see our daughter started a ministry with uh, trafficked women, along with my wife, excuse me. And uh, this was a woman who was trafficked from uh, Myanmar, a Rohingya woman with her two babies, carried on a boat for two weeks, uh, one meal every week and this much water every day. Her babies almost died and the international church were able to go to the border of Thailand and rescue her. And uh, we had a center where we taught them English and ministered to them and shared Bible stories in the Rohingya language. So we had a great ministry there. And as I said, we handed that off. And then in uh, 2017, my wife and I uh, moved to Italy. In the next slide, you see we made the big switch from, well, our last day in Malaysia, I do have to say. Um, I never did baptisms on the field when I lived in these Muslim countries. We always had our nationals do that. But it was my last day. They could kick me out if they wanted to. And this guy asked me to baptize him. So uh, the national partner and I uh, baptized this Bengali Muslim who came to faith. So uh, God blessed. And then um, we brought our kids back to the States. The hardest part of our whole career was leaving our kids here in America and going back. And um, we moved to Italy in 2017 and in Rome, Italy, there's a large Bengali population. And our daughter said, really, you raised me in Bangladesh and Malaysia and now you moved to Italy? <laughs> She's still a little bit salty about that, but we let her come and visit and it's our empty nest ministry. So uh, the kids have to visit us now. But, uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful ministry over the years. And now we find ourselves in Italy. And in the next slide, you'll see a picture of the country. And it's divided into uh, fields of service. And as you look at this map, uh, Italy's a wonderful place to visit. And many of you have probably been there as tourists. Um, it's different living there as a missionary. It's a hard field. Uh, we saw a lot more response both in Bangladesh and Malaysia than we do in Europe, and Europe is a hard, cold place. But um, there was a time when there was political darkness all over Europe. And in the 1940s, the entire continent of Europe had been dominated by uh, Nazi fascism. And that was true in uh, Italy as well. Um, there was a song in the 40s that we sang here in America uh, called, we, the title was, We Did It Before and We'll Do It Again. Speaking of World War I, we defeated the uh, uh, enemy and we will do it again. And it said, we'll take the axe to the axis three and live forever in liberty. We did it before, we'll do it again. And the Axis Three was Nazi Germany, Japan, who invaded America in, in Pearl Harbor. And then the third part of that axis was Italy. Uh, Benito Mussolini had led Italy to become fascist. And so it was a dark time. And <clears throat> America joined the Allied forces against the Axis and went into Europe to liberate them. 
<clears throat> you can see at the bottom of the screen, they first went into North Africa and liberated North Africa, and then they went to the island of Sicily. And uh, there are many Italian Americans, and most of them come from the south of Italy. And so there were Sicilian Italians who could speak the language, and um, they speak the language, and they use their gestures, and so they knew how to communicate with the Sicilians. And they entered Sicily on the 9th of July, 1943, and in just over a month, by August 17th, Sicily had been liberated from the fascists. And slowly, the forces moved to the peninsula of Italy and moved their way up. And at the cost of many lives, fascism was defeated, and democracy was expanded, and Europe was freed. We're proud of that history. And, um, but it's a spiritual, in a spiritual sense, the same thing is true today. There's spiritual darkness over Italy and over Europe, and we are trying to bring the light of the gospel to that dark place. So this is a spiritual picture of the kingdom of God. The passage that we're going to look at this morning is a missions passage, and it, the beginning of it talks about barrenness and a childless woman. And throughout history, there have been women who were not able to conceive. And this has been a painful, difficult thing for women like Sarah and Rebecca and Hannah who could not conceive. And women up to the present have struggled with that. And God has a special place in his heart for barren women. And in the case of those Old Testament women, God performed a miracle and allowed them to conceive and have children. And so as we look at uh, the passage this morning in Isaiah 54, verses 1 through 5, I want to think about that barrenness and what comes after that. <clears throat> Isaiah 54, 1 through 5, and I'll read. Sing, O barren, you have, who have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of a married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtain of your dwelling. Do not spare, lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. He is called the God of the whole earth. And so this barrenness and this widowhood described here is a metaphor for the kingdom of God. And the good news is children are coming. Let's pray together. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. Open each of our hearts 
in this sanctuary this morning and speak to us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I believe the passage that we see here shows a plan of salvation for the nations, a plan, God's plan to save the nations. And so I want to look at the expansion of this plan. It begins with the desolate barrenness that we've been talking about. And then it grows, there's growth and enlargement. And finally, it culminates with the redemption and salvation of the nations. So the first point is listed up here. We want to look at the desolate situation in Isaiah 54, verse 1. Isaiah was speaking to the Israelites in captivity. And they were in captivity because they had turned away from the Lord and began to worship the idols around them. God had provided for them. He had led them out of slavery and yet they turned their back on God again and again and worshiped idols. This is a 50-foot high statue right outside of Kuala Lumpur that the Hindus continue to worship today. And this is what God turned them over to. When the Israelites were freed as slaves, there were about uh, five million, three million Israelites that came out of Egypt and went into the Promised Land but after they turned their backs on God and began to worship idols, they were destroyed. And only 42,000 remained and were carried off into uh, captivity in Babylon. And this is who Isaiah is speaking to. They were broken. They were desolate. They had lost their homeland. And Isaiah is saying, your barrenness is going to end. It was a barren situation that they were in. The presence of the Lord, that Shekinah, had been taken away from Israel as they turned their back on him. 200 years ago, Baptists in southern England had the same kind of barrenness uh, mentality. And William Carey, the father of modern missions, studied the Bible. And this passage from Isaiah was uh, one of his key passages, and he said, I believe that we are still called to go to the nations to share the gospel. And this was new for Baptists in that time. And so he wrote a pamphlet called, and, and the title was, An Inquiry into the Obligations. Let me start this again. It's a difficult title. An Inquiry into the Obligations of Christians to Use Means for the Conversion of the Heathen. It's a catchy little title, and that's the shortened title. <clears throat> but he presented this to a group of Baptist ministers in southern England. And an old Baptist minister said, sit down, young man. You are a miserable enthusiast. If God wants to convert the heathen, he'll do it without your help and without mine. And this was the prevailing attitude of Baptists 200 years ago. But William Carey studied the scriptures and this passage from Isaiah. And he said the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 through 20 isn't just for the apostles of Jesus' time. It's for us that we're all to go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded. 
So it was a new idea for Baptists 200 years ago. And William Carey presented this, that no, we are all called to missions. We are all called to be a missionary, to go and share. There's an old German theologian who said, jeder Christ ein Missionär, every Christian is a missionary. We're, we all still have the Great Commission binding on us as Christian. It wasn't just for the apostles 200 years ago. There have been times in our life on the mission field, these long 31 years, uh, where we've felt a sense of barrenness. One of those times was in 2015. Because of lack of funds, uh, the International Mission Board had to make the hard decision to offer voluntary retirement to all of us who were over 50 years old. Gina and I decided that God wasn't finished with us on the field, but one out of every five missionaries, over a thousand Southern Baptist missionaries, left the field in 2015, over a matter of three months. And we felt a real barrenness. We felt desolate that is God finished with using Southern Baptists as he has the lead Protestant denomination in history? And I'm glad to say we have a new president who's uh, wanting to appoint 500 new missionaries in the next five uh, years and reverse that trend of going back. Earlier this year, Gina and I wondered, God, is our time on the field finished? We were having family issues at home, aging parents, and um, we wondered, God, is it time for us to pull back? And it was a very sad time for us. But in a few months, uh, Gina's mother uh, got settled, and uh, a few months ago, uh, in April, we were asked for a new, uh, to take a new assignment. And with our family settled somewhat in the States, we were able to do that. So God tells the barren woman, you're going to have children. And this leads to the next point, growth and expansion. In Isaiah 54, verses 2 and 3, we get a new picture. God is telling this barren woman, make room, expand, and uh, do not retreat. When a family is expecting a new baby, they get the nursery ready. They sometimes have to leave that small apartment where the husband and wife could live and get a bigger place. And that's what God is telling Israel to do here. He, the, in those days, they were nomads. They lived in tents. And so he says, get a bigger stake, get longer tarps, get longer ropes and stronger stakes because you need to expand to the left and the right because new children are coming. Our God is not a God of scarcity. He's a God of abundance. He says, do not spare. Constantly expect and anticipate growth and enlargement. The Christian church after Pentecost had gone through persecution and Stephen was martyred and the church was scattered. And the Romans at the time thought, this little sect will die out. The Jews who were persecuting the Christians, Judaism, thought this will die out and they, it won't be a problem again. But what they didn't know was that the blood of the martyrs are the seeds of the church. 
and those persecuted Christians who were spread all over, even to the city of Rome where we live, started churches and the church began to grow and continued to go forward. William Carey, 200 years ago, from this passage said, we need to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. We don't just sit back and expect it, we also attempt great things. We go out in missions. And as Carey described this to the ministers, he said, yes, God will prevail over the power of the devil and destroy all the works and set up his kingdom and extend it universally. It was for this purpose that the Messiah came and died, that God might be just and the justifier of all those who should believe in him. We are not to sit back and let the nations perish. We are to go and share the gospel. And why do we do that? Because sin is still a problem in this world. You see it here in Johnson City. We see it in the city of Rome. Our new IMB president says the, great, the greatest problem in the world is lostness. And the answer to that problem is the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. God gave us a new assignment a few months ago to oversee the work in Italy and Malta. And we have five teams spread across those countries. And we began to see new things happen in Italy as well. Um, here you see, when we came back after COVID, Gina and I met two young ladies who just showed up, two Italian girls who just showed up at Rome Baptist Church, Melissa and Diana. And they had been deep in the New Age movement. And they had a New Age guru here in America who got saved. Someone shared the gospel with him and he became a believer and he preached to all of his uh, New Age disciples, I've deceived you, I've led you down the wrong path. Jesus is the way of salvation. And so these two girls believed it and they came to Christ. And he said, you need to get into a church that preaches the Bible. And they said, well, we live here in Rome. What church does that? And he said, find a Baptist church. Baptists believe in the word. And so they came to Rome Baptist Church and Gina met them and began discipling these two young ladies. And then not long after that, I met Alex at the gym where I go. Alex was working there and when he found out I was an American, we struck up a friendship. And by the way, Alex is watching this service right now. And I want to teach you a very easy Italian word, ciao. Ciao means hello. Probably most of you already know that. And at the count of three, I want you to say ciao Alex with me so that we can uh, greet our brother in Christ in Italy who's watching this service. So can you do that? Ciao Alex is all we're going to say. One, two, three. Ciao, ciao Alex. Ti amiamo mi fratello mio. Uh, he will get a big kick out of that. So I shared with Alex and uh, also invited him to come to church with me. And they have this thing at Roman Baptist Church, which I don't particularly like, and I'm glad you don't do it here. But at the end of the service, they say, everybody 
who is a new person here remain standing and everybody else sit down. And so the new people are standing up there and it makes me feel uncomfortable. And so when I brought Alex, I explained to him and they're gonna do this thing at the end and I'll stand up with you and I'll introduce you. And so it came around and before I can introduce Alex, he introduced himself. He speaks good English and he was very happy to do that. And afterwards he told me that was so wonderful. When we go to the Catholic Church, we don't say anything. The priest does not want to hear from us. We listen, the priest talks, and we leave. And it was so exciting that I, as a new person in this church, could introduce myself. He was also excited when I shared God's word still speaks to us today, and we began to read the Bible together. And he was excited when I said, we make decisions as adults. I know you were baptized as a baby, but if you believe in Christ, this is a decision you make uh, consciously as an adult, and then you follow him in baptism, and that's the picture we have here. I was blessed to lead him to faith and uh, baptize him December of 2020, or 21. 21, I believe, December of 2021. So Isaiah says, stretch forth the curtain, open wide the door. The church is not closed, the church is open. There are new people who need to come in and hear the gospel. God can't be contained in old, dead, restrictive religions. There's a huge lost world, and we have a God of unlimited resources. And he's given a divine promise that when we share his word, as Gina did with the girls, and as I did with Alex and Mateo, it will not return void, but it will accomplish what it goes for. And that the, it's also promised that the gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. And this leads me to the final point. God has a plan of redemption and salvation for the nations. In Isaiah 54, verse 4 and 5, we see that Isaiah is telling Israel to forget the shame of her youth, forget the slavery of Israel, forget the bondage of Babylon, forget the widowhood and the barrenness. It should be forgotten with good times to come. And this is a foreshadowing of the messianic kingdom that was to come, new growth. In verse five, he says, your maker is your husband. And this leads to the New Testament where God is the husband and we, the church, are the bride. Not, and the, God is the God of the whole world, not just the Jewish nation, but the Gentiles. And he wants all the lost to come to him in Jesus Christ. He is the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. And remember, Redeemer means that Christ buys us back. And how does he buy us back? He buys us back from the clutches of Satan with his precious blood. It reminds me of the parable of the farmer who's out in the field and he's digging and he digs down and he hits something hard and there is a chest down there. 
and he digs up the chest and opens it, and there's a treasure. And he wants that treasure so desperately that he covers it back up and uh, goes and sells everything he has and buys that field and has that treasure. This is the treasure of the gospel that we are offering to the nations. So 200 years ago, William Carey became the father of modern missions. He not only preached this and uh, convinced the other Baptist pastors that we do have an obligation to go to the lost, but he went himself and he was the first missionary to go to India in 1793 the father of Christian missions. It wasn't easy because his first wife died. Some of his children died. He married again. His second wife also died, buried both of them and many children in India. But Baptists were established in India. And the Bible that you see there is the Bible that William Carey translated. Gina and I had to learn that Bible and the William Carey translation is difficult. It's right here in front if you want to come and look at it when you're finished. But that was part of what William Carey did. He said, the Bible is the words of salvation. It needs to be translated into every language. And he translated it into Bengali and Persian and many other languages. We have the good news. You can be redeemed. Salvation is a free gift. I told Alex, I've been here in Rome for four years, and you're the first one who's showed any spiritual in, uh, interest. Why is that? And Alex said, well, this, think of this as Jesus. This is the gospel, and this is the church. If we can take away the trappings and the baggage and show Italians who Jesus really is and show them the beauty of the gospel, they'll love it, and they'll come to it but there are too many things that have covered it up. And that's our work as missionaries, to take the gospel and explain it in a way that people can understand. So Alex and I shared with his coworker, Matteo, and Alex led him, to, we led him to faith, and I told Alex, you need to be in the baptist, baptistry with me because this is the whole multiplication process. You are now a priest. Uh, you we're all a part of the kingdom of priests. You are uh, a pastor. You led uh, Matteo to faith, so you should be there with me. And these are, most Italians are my height or shorter, and I'm not a big guy, but these, both of these guys are kind of big. And so I was glad that Alex was there in the baptistry with me because you see the picture. He would have pulled me down under if Alex hadn't been there. So another reason why we should uh, multiply and uh, pass on the work of sharing the gospel. Just as Jesus was about to be born, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, when his mouth was loosed, said these words. He said, the Messiah, he has come to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. I loved the hymn that we sang early, lift up the, Christ, lift up the cross, that everyone can see the love of God and come to Christ. And that's 
our job as missionaries, as believers in Jesus. Before leaving for India, the Baptist ministers had one more meeting. And uh, one of them wrote, we saw that there was a gold mine in India and it seemed almost as deep as the center of the earth. Who will venture into it to explore it? I will go down, said Mr. Carey to his brethren, but remember that you must hold the ropes. And so as Gina and I head back to Italy, I ask you, will you hold the ropes for us in prayer? The next slide shows some of our prayer requests, and if you'd like to get our newsletter and uh, hold the ropes for us in prayer, talk to Gina or I, and we'll get your email address and send you our uh, prayer requests regularly. So I ask, will you pray? Will you hold the ropes in support? And I thank this church. I walked in the Hall of Missions over here and saw uh, the wonderful history that this church has had over uh, the decades, uh, over a hundred years of supporting the cooperative program and the Lottie Moon, taking up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. 100% of that Lottie Moon offering goes to support us on the field. I thank you and ask, will you continue to give and support us? Will you hold the ropes in support? And then I ask, will you go? Will you hold the ropes and come and do the work with us? We need volunteer teams to come and work with people like Alex and Mateo and Melissa and Diana and help disciple them. Will you go to the field? And finally, a wonderful church with this history and this heritage, will you send? Will you give your children and your grandchildren to the mission field? Will you go? Will you send? So you can pray, you can give, you can go, and this church can send a new generation to the mission field because the greatest problem in the world is still there. It's still, lostness is still there, and we have the answer, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a great gold mine in India and in Bangladesh and in Malaysia and in Italy. We will go down into the pit if you will hold the ropes. But we are all called to take the light, aren't we? We're all called as missionaries to take the light to a dark, to a dark world. Kathy Tricoli wrote a song many years ago called Carry Your Candle. It says, carry your candle, run to the darkness, seek out the hopeless, confused, and torn. Hold out your candle for all to see it, Take your candle and go light your world. Take your candle and go light your world. Will you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this church, for their history of sending missionaries, of supporting missionaries, of praying for missionaries. And I pray that as we close now, uh, you will send us out with the light of the gospel to a dark world. May we be faithful in carrying the light to the ends of the earth. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.